Hey, everybody. Nathan King here with the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody of our promo we have running right now with our sponsors, Home Field Apparel. You guys can go to homefieldapparel.com and new customers can get 15% off their first purchase with the code Auburn Undercover. That's Auburn Undercover, all one word, all caps. If you guys don't know, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know what Home Field Apparel is, it's a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. It's incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs, including a lot of really, really cool Auburn stuff. You guys know better than anybody that Auburn's got some really cool old logos and designs from back in the glory days. And so they've taken advantage of that and gone back, made some really creative sweatshirts and T-shirts and even some joggers. You guys go check it out, Home Field Apparel. Com. They just launched a new Auburn shirt on October 9th that's honoring Auburn's first national championship season back in 1957. What they did was, and Homefield goes back and they dig through all kinds of old archives in order to find the coolest designs they can, they can get their hands on. They went back and found a postcard that was from that 1957 team that Auburn sent out and has a picture of an old obby holding up the Associated Press 1957 National Championship trophy. So if that sounds cool to you, you guys can go to homefieldapparel.com and get that on a t-shirt and you can get 15% off that purchase if it's your first purchase. Again, the code is Auburn Undercover, all one word. That's Auburn Undercover, all one word, homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined here by Jason Caldwell to break down a dramatic Iron Bowl inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. Certainly a much closer game than many people thought. It was the first overtime Iron Bowl in the history of the rivalry. Goes to four overtimes. Auburn, of course, led the game for most of the way in regulation. Alabama scores all 10 of its points in regulation in the fourth quarter, including a 97-yard drive to tie things up, push the game into overtime. And then in the fourth overtime, obviously Auburn was not able to get its two-point conversion. Alabama gets one to John Mechie to end the game um, in a classic, classic Iron Bowl. Really, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think we all kind of should have expected something like this with the magic Jordan-Hare Stadium has provided over the years. And so, um, Jason, for you, you were down there on the field the whole game. Um, just from an, an environment standpoint, you know, I, I really think this kind of solidifies that Jordan Hare is always going to bring it in games like this, even when Auburn is at the tail end of a six and six season. Um, this was one of the best atmospheres I've seen at Auburn, not only in recent years, but um, it, in, a, in a long time. I mean, this was they, they did a good job of creating a big game atmosphere. Um, and Auburn fed on it, particularly on defense, and, and pretty much shut down Alabama for about two and a half, three quarters. Yeah, it reminded me of being in Jordan-Hare Stadium in the 1980s. Um, you know, you had those defensive teams that were giving up 10 points a game. That's what it reminded me of. And for some reason, those defensive games usually seem to bring the bet the most out of a crowd. When it's a back-and-forth shootout, sometimes it, it's – it's harder to, for the crowd to get involved because it's hiring. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I think these defensive games bring the best out of the crowd um, because that's when you're cheering the most. You're cheering the most when, when you're on defense, you're not cheering the most when you're on offense, but I thought the crowd made a massive impact in this football game. We talked about it. You're going to LSU, going to these other places, going to road to Penn state, how it's not necessarily what the crowd does to the opponent it's what it does for the home team. 
we saw the perfect example of that Saturday. Um, that crowd lifted that team. It carried that team, energized that team. Um, I, you know, you look at it for me, if, if TJ Finley, if he doesn't get injured, I think Auburn wins the football game. Um, I think he's able to make enough plays in the second half. There were some opportunities there, but when you can't move at quarterback, um, then it, it really severely limited what Auburn could do on offense. And, you know, I still think if they run it pretty much every down there in the fourth quarter, um, you might get away with a win. You might run off enough time. But I can understand um, trying you know, thinking, you know, hey, may need to score some more. But, man, that defense, give up 10 points in regulation. Um, I'm looking around and, and did some some stat work in um, Alabama. Auburn held Alabama to 14 in 2017. Clemson held them to 16 in 2018. Nobody's held Alabama under 20 points. And, and Auburn did in regulation. And under 20 points since 2000. That was the only the two times since 2016 that it has happened. Um, and that the 10 points would have tied they beat LSU 10-0 in 2016. That's it. Um, incredible defensive performance, especially considering what this Alabama offense has done and did last week. Um, I thought it was an all-world defensive line performance. Kobe Wooden, um, Derek Hall, Marcus Harris, T.D. Moultrie, E.Q. Leota, uh, hey, you know, Tony Fair, Marquise Burks, J.J. Pegues. Uh, there weren't a ton of them, but those guys right there, um, delivered um, all day on Saturday. And then Roger McCreary played a, a great game. It's unfortunate that it came down to him allowing a play at the end because he was all world um, in that game on Saturday. So um, I think, you know, it's one that when you look back on, there's obviously things you could have done, should have, could have, would have, should have. Um, but, man, you gave yourself a chance to win a game and um, and played their hearts out, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah, McCreary, it was just spectacular. Four pass breakups for him. Um, that's a career high in a career where he's had these kinds of games over and over again. So he he certainly seems like he's solidifying um, first-round status. A lot of people are calling him the best corner in the country. We'll see if he gets maybe some All-American honors by the end of the season. Derek Hall, um, he's now third in the SEC, ending the regular season in sacks with nine. Um, the only two people ahead of him are Will Anderson, who might go to New York, <laughs> And Sam Williams, who could be an All-American um, for Ole Miss, so three sacks for him was obviously a big day. Um, Auburn had seven sacks overall. That's the most in an SEC game for the Tigers um, since the 2005 Iron Bowl honk. If you sacked Brody, where they had 11 sacks in that game, and you're exactly right, it was it was a group effort. Brian Harson said after the game that it wasn't, and we talked about this pregame where we we thought that would be the biggest key. Um, to where if they could get pressure on Bryce Young and kind of rattle him, we saw him. I know he may take home the Heisman this season, but he did. You know, he was not an effective quarterback. There were some happy looking. feet. There were some yeah. happy feet involved in that game. Auburn, yeah. Auburn got to him, um, and and made an impact in him throwing the football. And you know, Alabama had a couple of drops here there too, but you know, they for three quarters. Um, they did exactly what we talked about. They had to do, and not only did they do it. They did it to perfection when you're talking about giving up basically 100 yards to Alabama in three quarters. Uh, it's incredible, the defensive performance they did. And, you know, even with all the things with a 97-yard drive, um, again, you hold Alabama to 10 points in regulation. You, you cannot ask for anything more out of a defense than what Auburn got Saturday night. 
Yeah, hold them without a touchdown for 59 minutes of game time uh, in, in regulation. Um, something just kind of unheard of in, in the Nick Saban era, especially with the way their offenses have been performing over the past few years. Yeah, and it's 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 worth mentioning the performances of McCreary and the guys in the secondary. I know that Jamison Williams obviously went out there in the second quarter with the targeting call, but a lot of those sacks for Auburn, just going back and watching the game today, um, Young had time to get rid of the ball, and you're exactly right, just kind of bouncing around, but he kept his eyes downfield. Some of them were coverage sacks too. Um, so when Brian, we asked Brian Harson about it after the game, talking about both the pass defense and the and the pass rush, he just said, "Look, these were great individual efforts, just guys winning their matchups one on one, which is something you've got to do against Alabama. We knew that Alabama's offensive line might be susceptible, and Auburn won more often than not. Until, like you said, you can only ask for so much. You can't ask your defense to play that way for an entire game. Um, obviously, it gets to overtime and." I think Auburn's defense played like 60, 60 some odd snaps between the second half and the overtime period. So obviously they were just gassed. You get into overtime um, and boy, TJ Finley. I mean, I, I completely agree that if he had been healthier in this game, because he, he isn't, he is a more athletic guy than people I think give him credit for. And he said after the game, look, I couldn't plant and make powerful throws, which is what I'm good at. Um, he just kind of had to stand in there and, and sort of shoot it off his arm and see what happened. But, um, he finished the game six of eight, including a ridiculous one-handed touchdown catch um, by Landon King. I mean, just what was the tension like down there on the field in the overtime periods? Because at least for us, and I'm sure everybody um, watching at home, you know, when the, when a game like that, you know, is, is hinging on every single play, um, it just creates kind of a feeling that honestly, uh, you know, we've never had in this Iron Bowl before because it's never gone to overtime. To me, the the overtime really. I thought <clears throat> most of the people that were there thought that that you know if Auburn were to score, they were going to go for two. I, I think most people thought that was the prudent call. I understand in some regards. At home, they you know it's it's that analytics thing where they say at home you go for the tie on the road, you might go for the win. I thought one legged quarterback. Um, this is probably your best shot to win this game. Um, and, you know, in hindsight, it, it, it might have been. But you, you kind of kept going back and forth with him a little bit. It was almost surreal a little bit. Uh, I've been to a bunch of those games, been to a bunch of Iron Bowls. And um, for that one to have ended that way and to, to look like that was uh, very different. But at Auburn, um, again, yeah, I think offensively, you just knew that the longer the game went on, the more difficult it was going to be, especially to score in space, because so many times that depended on quarterback moving around, um, kind of buying a little time, and, and TJ wasn't able to do that. So the throwback was a great two-point play the first time. There's only so many times you can go to that well, though. Um, once you do that, then then it's, hey, we've got to make this guy beat us. Um, they weren't able to do it, but, um, yeah, it was it was exciting for sure. Um, when you look at um, everything that went on in that overtime back and forth, uh, I'm just not a big fan of, of deciding a game on one play. It, it just it reeks of soccer penalty kicks when you've played the game one way all the way through and all of a sudden you go, hey, let's line somebody up 10 feet from the goal and kick it and see if he can score. Uh, um, I, you know, I just didn't think it um, – I don't think it hurt Auburn's chances. As a matter of fact, it probably helped Auburn's chances to – to limit the amount of, of plays they had to do. But I thought, you know, 
thought the best opportunity for them uh, once they got into overtime was 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 to to try to take a shot there. And I don't think anybody would have questioned or faulted Brian Harson if he had made that call. Uh, six and five team quarterback on one leg, going, "Hey man, you got one shot to win this game. Let's do it." But um, you know they had their opportunities to for it to not get that point either. Just uh, an unfortunate end to unfortunate stretch run for this team. Uh, no question in my mind that. If Bo Nix is healthy, he doesn't get injured in the, early in the second half against Mississippi State. This is probably a nine and three football team, and and they're getting ready to play potentially in a New Year's Six game. Um, I think it's that that big of a difference not having yep. him in the, on the field. Yep, and it's more of an indictment of of the playmaking ability of Bo Nix in this offense rather than absolutely, it is absolutely any sort of knock on Finley. You know, Correct. especially. It's just Right. Yeah, it's just a guy that they need. They need the guy to be able to run around, make plays, and and be in addition to that running game. Uh, you know, it's hard for them to knock guys off the ball. We saw it Saturday. Alabama basically said, you know, and I, I was laughing. So, you know, I said it was 10 on 11, but in reality it was 11 on 1. Uh, everybody was flocking to take Bixby because they knew that that's pretty much what they had to do. Um, and uh, – you know, if you don't have a quarterback that can make those plays, and, and, and TJ could have early in the game, but he, he really didn't run it much. Uh, and probably some of that was by design going, hey, we can't get this guy hurt. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it, it added that extra dimension to the Bo's legs and the running game that they really missed late in the season. Yeah, go, you were talking about it there. You know, there's only so much you can do, um, you know, and, and you want to make a play there at the end of the game because Alabama was kind of building the momentum. Um, you know, for Auburn's offense on the other side, I think when you look at these games over the years, the teams have built leads on Alabama, and, and then it's a matter of with an offense like that, it's just a matter of if and not when, or it's just a matter of when they're gonna they're gonna figure it out on offense and you can hold them off. And I think Auburn forced eight punts um, before Alabama put points on the board. And so on the other side, you've got to just be able to deliver a knockout punch, put 17, 24 on the board. Or something like that. And even in a game like this, sometimes that doesn't work because Alabama hung 24 on Auburn back in 2010 and couldn't close the game out there. But um, really, I mean, just just an, an inept Auburn offense, which credit to Alabama's defense, their run defense came into the game top five in the country. I believe they're number three in the country now. Um, but Auburn only 159 yards of offense in a game that went into four overtimes. Um, you know, Tank Bigsby, we knew he was going to be the key for this offense. Um, but you're exactly right. Every time he got the ball, there was not that dynamic element of things of whether Bo Nix was going to keep it, you know, with with TJ Finley in the game, even before he was hurt. You know, it's just not it's just not really his play style. And then Auburn's receivers, they made a few good plays. And look, TJ Finley said after the game, he said, we came in and we were telling people like we were telling each other a four yard run is a good run against this team. They just didn't even get enough of those. It was too many. Yeah. One too yard, many Tank Bixby, too many incompletions and too many. Yeah, minus two, yeah, minus I mean, three yards. You, you look at Tank's negative yardage in that game, and it's it's huge, and and that's not a normal thing. But there were so many of those runs that were three or four yard losses, and that makes it really difficult. Um, so yeah, that that was a big story. I tell you what, another big story. We got to give some some love to, to all our special teams. Javarius Johnson goes in as a punt returner. Yep, big punt return that sets up a, a field goal there, and hey. Oscar Chapman, incredible. Maybe the best punting day um, that I can remember for an Auburn punter, the job he did in, in, in putting balls down there inside the 10-yard line. Uh, ben Patton, um, that guy's a hero if Auburn How about wins that? a game. 
Um, yeah. you know, drills a 47 yard field goal in overtime. Evan McGuire, really good kickoffs. Uh, that special teams wound up being great. Auburn had to cover a couple of kickoffs and punts and, and made great plays doing that once again. Um, it was a great special team. They did all the things they needed to do to be able to win a football game. Um, and that the injury to TJ Finley probably was a little bit too much to overcome for a team that just doesn't have a ton of weapons on offense. Yeah, there was sort of a sinking feeling when he went to the injury tent. I mean, Auburn was up 10 nothing at the time, but you start to see Grant Loy warming up and you're just thinking this this offense isn't going to score anymore for the rest of the game. Obviously, they didn't throughout regulation when, when Finley came back in. But yeah, you're exactly right. And for the bounce back from that special teams unit, um, from the kind of games they had been having, not Oscar Chapman because he's been really consistent all season. But yeah, for a guy like Ben Patton to go from missing a chip shot um, to drilling a 40, 47, 48 yard field goal in the Iron Bowl um, and only his second significant game ever. I, I, you know, Javarius Johnson, you're exactly right. Set up that field goal, had a couple good returns, um, didn't bobble the ball. We had talked about it over the past few weeks, wondering if Demetrius Robertson was going to get moved off the field in that punt return role. They decided to do it. Um, in this game, I think maybe Javarius is, is probably the healthiest he's been all season um, after kind of getting back the past few weeks. And Roger McCurry said it after the game. He said, this is this is one of the best games I've ever seen my teammates play for four quarters. But you you had to set you had to play like Brian Harson said, you had to play that fifth quarter. Um, Jason, this is something I've been thinking about all day. I wanted to get your opinion and perspective on, um, you know, you play this kind of a game and you have these moral victories and your fan base comes away and your players come away after the game saying it was heartbreaking, but a day after you're saying, look at all these good things Auburn did. How can Auburn take this game and the momentum they built in this game and the good things they did here and progress it to next year? Because the way I look at it, a lot of the guys who made the plays in this game are not going to be here next year, but some, some of them will. So how do you transition this through a bowl game and through an off season and, and, and kind of hang your hat on it and say, look, we competed in this game. We're not, we're not scared of Alabama. I think it becomes a, a mentality going, look, that's, that's what, that's who we are. That's who we're going to be. Um, and I think it carries over to recruiting a ton of positive feedback coming out of this game. Um, you can go and finish this class and, and get some difference makers on the line of scrimmage at wide receiver. Um, those are the spots that you really have to go out and, and really improve this year. When you think about replacing potentially an entire offensive line other than Keandre Jones. I mean, you could lose, you know, four of your five starters and six of your top seven. Um, so you start thinking about that. Um, take that back, Killian Zaire. I think he, he'll, he'll probably be back and has played really well. He's done a good job. But there's still a lot of guys to replace defensive line. Now you start to wonder who knows what happens. Uh, Kobe Wood and Derek Hall just put some really good film on on tape. Um, they're obviously, you're going to lose Roger McCreary. You're going to lose Smoke Monday. Um you're going to lose a Kobe McLean and Chandler Wooten, potentially Owen Pippo. Don't know. You're right. There's a lot of guys, but the the mentality can remain. The mentality of, hey, we're, we're there. We're, we're going to step toe-to-toe with anybody. They did it with Georgia um, for the most part, too. Um, and I think, I think that's what you take into this one going, look, guys, we're six and six. Could have easily been much better. Um, and if you if you give that kind of effort, um, then that's where it starts. So to me, it's about the mentality thing. It's and and that's kind of where you take it from here. And that's what you want to hang your hat on, you know, going into this bowl season, obviously, and then the next season. Yeah, talking about next season for Brian Harson, and we can get into it later this week um with a recruiting based podcast. We probably 
should do that. But just in your interactions, you were, you were talking before the show and in your interactions with kids coming off of campus, just what was the general feeling um, about that game and how much goodwill did Auburn sort of earn itself in this game despite a loss? Yeah, I think guys were blown away. They were blown away by the atmosphere, uh, by the way that Auburn played, um, by the fan support, and, and by the coaches. He's, they're ta- you know, lots of guys mentioned talking about being in the locker room, how the coaches loving on the players, uh, knowing how difficult that one was. Um, and so I think, yes, I think there was a ton of goodwill built up in this game. Um, you know, can you, can you, you know, sell that and go, Hey, look guys, we, you're the guy we need. Um, you know, a guy like Curtis Perry, um, defense lineman from Pike road. I mean, those are the kind of guys that take you to a different level, um, that come in and play very quickly and can, can do the things you need to do. Can you find those guys on offense and, you know, wide receiver, the guy like Antonio Williams, can you, can you bring him in from South Carolina? Those are the kind of guys that I think you have to have now to take it to a different level. But uh, I think there was some groundwork laid, um, and a lot of that came um, Saturday night by, by what you put on, on the field and, and showed those recruits uh, for the guys for years to come. Yeah, so now we've got decent break until the bowl game. Auburn will figure out um, its bowl opponent next Monday as you're probably listening, or excuse me, next Sunday, as you're probably listening to this um, on Monday morning. So some interesting projections out there today. We'll see how it all kind of falls into place. Nobody ever really knows until until it happens. I did see a Music City, a couple Music City Bowl ones there this morning. So maybe we'll head back to Nashville this year, but um, we shall see. Jason, thank you so much for, for hopping on the podcast um, this evening. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review wherever you guys listen to your podcast. We'll be back later in the week to, like I said, talk about some recruiting, talk about some Auburn basketball, because obviously we pivot more heavily to that now. Um, the intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next episode, you guys have a good start to the week. We'll talk to you all later.